This program is made possible by the friends and partners of Curator Ministries. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the table. We're here today, as usual, usual with my man, Sam Burdett, over here producing me, uh, with my husband, Doug. And today, we have a very special guest. We have our son, Grant, in the studio. Hey, Grant. Thanks for, thanks for being here. Hello. <laughs> I was saying back in my office before we came out um, about Grant. He is a, he's a quiet kid. He doesn't say a lot, but when he opens his mouth, man, you listen because he just he's a very deep thinker um he, he just thinks at a higher and a different plane than a lot of other people do and so he, he always amazes me sam when he opens his mouth and spits out a nugget and one of those nuggets came out this past week which was really the impetus to this whole conversation and so today we're going to be talking about our identity and um what shapes our identity and how important who we are our understanding of who we are really, really is. So this past week, <laughs> this past week, speaking of identity, I took my aunt to the doctor. She had to go have a you know doctor's appointment, and so we're at the in the waiting room waiting for her to go back. And the the doctor's office is kind of positioned outside of the yard at this particular hospital, and. This woman comes barreling out of these double door doors, and she looks like a feral cat. I mean, she is wild, wide-eyed. She comes barreling out, hits the wall, and turns and, like, looks at the exit door. And so I thought, well, that's odd. I mean, she's dressed, like, in scrubs, right? So at first I thought, well, maybe she's, like, a nurse getting away from someone. I don't know. And the next thing you know, a split second later, here comes another nurse barreling out the same doors, yelling at her, you have to get back in there. You have to get back in there. Um, the woman starts like take off towards the door, the exit door, like to the street. And the nurse is screaming, call security, call security. You'll go back to jail. Do you want to go back to jail? And I thought, oh, she's an inmate making a break for it. So <laughs> she you know, darts out of these double doors onto the street. All of these, you know, nurses, you know, go parading after her, trying to get her restrained and, and back in. Sidebar, I thought, nurses don't get enough paid enough to be also bouncers. So all these female nurses go up, barreling out. Then, you know, these two, you know, <laughs> armed men come in behind them. Long story short, they bring her back strapped into a, a, um, a wheelchair, and she's crying and remorseful. And my aunt, who's sitting beside me, said, I know I shouldn't, but I really feel bad for her. And I was like, really? I was like, why, why, do, you, why do you feel bad for her? And she said, well, her, her life must be you know, so bad. I really, feel, I really feel bad for her. And I remember in that moment thinking, well, it really wasn't a well-thought-out prison break because she didn't have any shoes on her feet, so she probably wouldn't get too far. But I remember thinking when she, when she came out and she turned and she was looking at this exit door, she just looked wild and fixed on this door. And I thought, she identifies as a captive, but she wants to be free. She desires freedom. And that door was was her, in her mind in that moment, what was going to get her that freedom. Um, but as I told my aunt, when you identify as one thing, but you desire something else, you never get that next that, that thing by doing the next wrong thing. Right. It's always choosing what's the next right thing to get you to that place. Right. It's kind of like with, with, with we have one of the kids right now that that <laughs> brought home some poor scores in school. And I was like, OK, you are a good student. You are we, you know, you are a smart kid. Your grades are not showing that. 
right now. So what is the next right thing that you need to do to make your grades reflective of who you are? And that is studying and turning your work, <laughs> right? Not necessarily doing the next wrong thing. So anyway, Grant and I were talking this past week about, uh, we were talking, he was just trying to school me a little bit, Sam, and you, you come from his age group, so you'll understand more than Doug and I about Snapchat. We're trying to learn about the Snapchat. Um, Instagram, all the social apps that you all have that you all communicate on and meet people on and all the things. And um, he was telling me, he was schooling me on how different, like meeting people in your age demographic is than when Doug and I were, were, were you know, going through the stages of trying to find a companion and, and meet friends and all the things. And, you know, when Doug and I, and you can chime in, Doug, when Doug and I were, were coming up, you met people that you either went to school with or went to church with or in your community, and then you asked for their phone number, Sam, and you called them directly, and it was usually on a landline because we didn't have cell phones, and you would talk for hours and getting to know each other. Right, Doug? Apparently, it's different than what you guys do now. Apparently, now you meet you meet each other like, like, hey, I need, can I get your snap? And then you like snap pictures of each other. Is that right, Grant? We, yeah. Can you explain to our audience here uh, <laughs> how it works? No. <laughs> <laughs> so they snap pictures of each other, and then based on the, the the picture dialogue, then you decide if you want to have a meetup to get to know each other. So it's a little different. So how do you know, Grant, that the person you're getting a snap picture from is the, is the right person? Like you're not getting catfished. You know, yeah. It's definitely a valid fear. <laughs> Filters are real. <laughs> Filters are real. But I guess talking about just how, how, how things have changed based on devices and technology and how much these devices and technology are really shaping the way that we view ourselves, where we get our sense of identity and even our sense of self-worth from. Um, I was telling, telling Doug, you know, even with my daughter – I really have to watch her. She'll come come through and just say the most random things. That I'm like, where did you where did you hear that from, or where did you get that from? Or she had the sassy mannerism. I'm like, where did where did that come from? And when we get down to the brass tacks, it's come from a video that she's watched. And so even with the little guys, I really have to monitor, you know, what what she's watching, um, and and make sure it's not really developing and 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 molding her who she thinks that she is. Does that make sense? Um, and through that conversation, Grant said this most perf- this most profound thing because he was he was commenting. We were I was talking about. It seems like it it never fails. She'll be on a video, my daughter, be on a video, and there'll be one or two decent videos, and I'm listening. And the next thing you know, it's this indecent thing that that pops up, and it's just it's it's automatic feed. She didn't click on it; it just it came through. And I was complaining to him. I said, I feel like there's been like this deprivation in morality. Like there's this sharp decline in morality. Like why would you put a video out there like that for young children to see um, and to and to consume? And and he said, well, he said what happened was, mom. He said our phones became our god. And I was like, wow, our phones became our God. And and he said, yes. He said, that's what we worship the most. He said, that's where we get all of our information from. It's where we spend the most time with. He said, you know, our, our phone replaced God. And when our phones replaced God, morality started to decline. And I was like, mind blown in that moment. And I have sit in the pocket of that comment and really – tried to mine that out like what has what does that look like in my own life because he's not wrong i mean i take my phone everywhere i get 
most all my entertainments from my phone. I mean, we have a, a few apps on our, but again, apps, we have a few apps on our TV that we get entertained by. Um, I tell time with my phone. I don't even wear a watch. Um, I communicate with people on my phone. Um, my my, we, we laugh about this, Doug. Our reality is curated by our phone. Um, when I look at our social media threads, his and I are so different based on our differences like it's everything he wasn't wrong is coming through this device and i wonder i wonder how how that's shaping the way we view ourselves i don't know what do you think doug it's interesting you say that because uh, I definitely we had that discussion. It was right after the last Marshall football loss and all the disgruntled fans. And I'm telling her about it. I'm like, it's all over. It's like it was every other post on my social and my buddies were all texting about. It. I'm like, what did you think of that? And she's like, I've not seen one post about it. Right? Like, uh, nothing about it. So it's it's a completely different reality. You know, you live in a different reality than I do. And uh, you know, we were. I was thinking about how I used to hear, I'd heard that same comment that TV is your God back when I was a kid, right? But at least with TV, everybody saw the same things. So you would say, oh, well, you know, what you saw and what I saw. And there was some sensors, right? You would see something wouldn't be allowed to be played after mm-hmm. 10 o'clock at night or, you know, certain things would be on a Saturday morning. So you could pretty much relax if, you were, if your kid was watching TV Saturday morning. Okay, there's not never going to be anything on that's going to be inappropriate at 10 o'clock on Saturday. But now you, know, you have to watch them a little closer at 11 o'clock, you know, it, in the same day so it reminds me of that story when the kids were little and we let your dad watch the kids remember and he didn't understand that cartoons weren't always just cartoons and we came home remember that story uh-huh. tell that story Doug. I love so we come in one night it's like 10 or 11 and uh, they've got Comedy Central on and uh, I think he's probably asleep we come in so he kind of he's groggy and you know Marshall and Grant were, I'm going to guess, five and seven, maybe. Mm-hmm. I'm old enough to know better. But mm-hmm. uh, they were sitting there watching South Park when we came in one night. I walked in. the eye, their ki- My kids' eyes are as big as saucers. And Doug was like, Dad! And he was like, well, it's a cartoon. <laughs> like, not all cartoons are made the same. <laughs> and yeah, he would do even worse with the phones, because he's one of those people. The phone is not his God, because he doesn't have no. a smartphone. He didn't have a cell phone. <laughs> no. Yeah, I laugh. He he had a deposition not that long ago, and they asked him about his cell phone. Remember that? Yeah, it was a really funny. So he's in a court. It's in a deposition, lawyer, and he's asking all these questions about texting and phone calls, and um, he's like, every question's no, no, I've not done that. No, I didn't. Didn't about the to- topic you had in mind. Nothing. Uh, anything. No. Do you not? text no do you have a cell a, a, a smartphone no do you have a cell phone no all this lawyer is just completely fabulous he goes mr reynolds what do you do when you're traveling someplace and all your important businesses and have to call somebody thinking like he kind of got him he goes well i get to where i'm going and pick up the phone and call him <laughs> <laughs> he, he'll ask put total random strangers hey can i use your phone yeah. he, he does not have a cell phone he, he doesn't does so we'll be somewhere and you'll see a number pop up like it, 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 i'll usually not answer and then i get a cell a message mm-hmm. hey this is your dad call me back <laughs> like call this person back like, oh i'm sorry he, gentleman asked for your phone so he'll just ask random people for their cell phones when he has yeah. to make a call yeah he doesn't understand how technology has changed the way people think and behave he does not understand any of that that is totally lost on 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 him uh which i think is is very interesting and i really don't think that we probably even think about you know our identity and how much and, and like really how it shapes us right um how it defines our purpose and how it even like shapes how we ha- interact in relationships with uh with one another um, and if you don't have a really good sense of who you are um, how do you know exactly like what you want? You know, 
Like I remember, and, and, and Grant, you can attest to this, there'll be times when the kids will do things that are just seem completely out of character. And I'm like, is this who you are? And is this, or is this who you want to be? Right? Because there's a difference between like your, you know, personal self, like how you view yourself and what you, you know, your values and morals and all that is. And then there is your public self and how other people view you. And sometimes those two have a large discrepancy between the two. And so sometimes I don't think we really sit down and think about, okay, really, who am I? Like at my core. And as Christians, Sam, we know, we know that, you know, our, at our core, you know, we're God centered at our core, right? And because we're God centered, then we have a subset of, of morals and a code of ethics and, and, and ways that we live by based on our belief system. And so that is innate in us. And if you think about it, that's what guides all of our decisions, right? The Holy Spirit in us is, is the thing, is the thing that is that internal compass that tells us, you know, when what what we should and shouldn't do, you know, and, and helps navigate us through life. And our our word, our written word, is our external compass, right? Our Ten Commandments, because we have learned that we we're not thieves, we're not liars, we're not adulterers, we're not cheaters. You know what I mean? So it's it's this compass and this framework of how we live. It's our values, and at our core, that's what we identify with, right? We know that we're made in God's image, and that we are His representation, and so as Christians, right? That's at our core, and that that's our our base value system in our in our that's what we identify with does that make sense but i would argue that we have a society that is like beating this drum that's very counter to that so there were these two kings um that that were in the in in the bible one was saul and one were one was nebuchadnezzar and both were um selected by God to hold the Israelites ca- captive. Both of these kings really reigned from a place of fear. So fear tactics was at the center of the way that they um, that they wanted to really subdue and keep, keep these people um, um, under, you know, under their control was through, through a, a sense of fear. The difference between the two kings was um, Saul really never fully – got a real good sense of identity there was always this battle that he had between who he was and who he wanted to be it was constant conflict between the two um and with nebuchadnezzar he was very much aware of who he was and he very much understood that he could not make these israelites um be loyal to him through force that he needed to do it through assimilation and he needed to do it by them conforming to his lifestyle his way of thinking and when that happened then they would look to him as their source then they would have this loyalty to him and that he understood that he needed to change the way that they thought because the way that you think is is very very important um when we talked about society beating this drum and the sound that was at the root of the way that he conformed these israelites was through a sound um, we're going to put a pin in it right here and take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and talk a little bit about Nebuchadnezzar and what I see as parallels and happening today in our society through uh, social media constructing and forming our identity. We will be right back. 
We hope you are enjoying today's show. We believe that God has given us a voice to impact communities and regions all over the world. If you would like to make sure that voice is heard, please partner with us today by visiting www.expressionradio.org and click donate. You can also text give by texting the dollar amount followed by the word radio to the number 84321. First time text givers, please choose Expression Church of Huntington when prompted. All gifts are tax deductible. Join us as we change the world. Welcome back, everybody. Um, In our last segment, we were talking about uh, King Saul and King Nebuchadnezzar and how Nebuchadnezzar um, really had a really good sense of self. And he knew who he was and he knew because he knew who he was, he knew what he wanted and he knew how he wanted to, to rule. Um, he knew what he wanted that to look like. And so he knew that it needed, needed not to come through uh, force um, or coercion. It needed to come through assimilation. And so he went through a series of acts where he would take um, a select number of the Israelite, uh, boys and he would bring them into um, captivity and the first thing that he knew he needed to do to change the way that they saw themselves from being an Israelite a God-centered person to a Babylonian and a Nebuchadnezzar-centered person was he needed to change the way that they believed and so Daniel and his companions uh, were taught the literature and the language of Babylon for the next three years because Nebuchadnezzar understood that what you think really matters. Um, he understood that education sh- shapes and forms how you sh- see yourself. It's one of the things that shapes not only the way that you that you think, but the way that you see yourself and see yourself in the world, right? So it it. It begs, you know, the the spotlight to what we look at, listen to, expose ourselves to. Um, they all matter, right? Doug and I, you were talking about um, the the kids and some of their experiences with coaches, and um, you had told me at one point, you know, a, a coach just isn't a coach. A coach is a teacher. A, a, you know, a coach takes kids and not teaches them only the game or the sport or the whatever mm-hmm. um, but they're also teaching and forming young women and men or young children into how to be women and men they're forming the way that they view themselves and if they're a good coach then they will try to extract the best parts out of that kid and help instill confidence and leadership skills. But if they're a poor coach and they're only, you know, focused on the win, sometimes negative things can come out of that. Do you remember that conversation? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so what we were talking about, even the the, the kids' teachers, um, you know, they really do help develop and, and, and curate how our kids believe about themselves. We had parent-teacher conference yesterday, and one of the teachers was Justice's, you know, computer science teacher, and she talked about how, you know, he was wonderful at coding, which was interesting because he would tell you he's not a good coder, and that he shies away from that thing during his robotics. Um, and so she's like, oh, no, he, you know, he's, he's wonderful at it. And you could tell when I was having this conversation with him, and I said, this is the way that your teacher views you. He lit up. There was something that was unlocked in him because someone that he that he respected in that field saw that in him. And there's something to that. Teachers can unlock kids or they can lock them up. They have the power to do both. Teachers have a – teachers, adult, preachers, you know, 
parents put leadership put yourself in that category if you have if you have influence over another person you have the ability to unlock or lock them um that it's our it's our job as leaders really to to look what is valuable in you and extract it out right and nebuchadnezzar understood that he understood that that what they thought mattered what they were exposed to exposed to mattered and i think that that's one of the things that we get through social media platforms is we think that media platforms help expand our sense of identity but really i think it helped i think it really constricts it and pigeonholes it um i think it instead of it 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 tells us in one way explore all these things explore all these things that you know you may identify with right and indulge in all these things that 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 you think would make you happy and then create your own identity but what's interesting is that it's all curated for you they're really telling you what to think what to believe how you should look does that make sense um and Nebuchadnezzar, he understood that. The second thing that he understood he needed to, do to needed to do was to change what their desires, like what what they wanted. So he would let these captives eat the best food that was available to him off of his own table, which was a a big deal, right? Because as a, as an Israelite who was God centered, um, they would have had restrictions on what they were supposed to eat, because you know. There are things that we can indulge in that we just shouldn't, right? I have the ability to pick up my phone and indulge in pornography, but it's not good for me. I shouldn't. There's always what you can do and what you should do. Um, and so he got to a he understood the importance of if he could get them to jeopardize what their core belief system was and to, to lean in and indulge in things that would be pleasurable to them, um, that he could change their desires and that their desires would be more towards him and more towards his culture. And so he would provide them these foods that were prohibited and prohibited for them to eat by God. Um, and this was him transforming them by changing their tastes, their appetites. Have you ever indulged in something that you knew you weren't supposed to? I tell my kids this all the time. You know, you can't unsee something. You can't unhear something. And I, that's from my own experience. Anytime I've allowed myself to lean into something I knew I shouldn't, um, it changes my taste just a little bit. It's a lot easier to do that thing another time and then another time. And it's a slippery slope from there. Does that make sense? And so he understood that. He understood that the desire needed to change as long as as well as the beliefs needed to change. And the third thing he did was he changed their names. He stripped them of their identity as being God-centered, and he gave them Babylonian names. So he, now they would identify with him and his culture. And I wonder, Doug, how much, to what extent that media plays a part in that. Um, I think about whenever we were growing up, our childhood uh, was captured and curated by our parents through a series of images that would go in an album. And so now whenever I am an adult and I want to go back and have memories of my childhood, I pick up that album. But those were all pictures that my parents took that they thought were memorable, you know, memorable things. And they, they, you know, put them in an album for me. But there were lots of parts of my childhood that pictures never got taken of that were not favorable that I would love to forget about. I mean, a lot of them I have left in my past, but I think with this new 
way of communicating like what grant was talking about through snapchat with all these images i mean snapchat has thousands of images that go through it every single day as is instagram and all these things there is always this propensity that everything is being captured whether through video or whether through you know a, a picture and it's always out there it's never erased so much like my childhood when i made mistakes as a teenager right there's not photographic evidence of it and so as an adult now that i have evolved out of that because everyone makes mistakes right everyone does things that are contrary to what their belief system is and their identity and all the things but unlike whenever doug and i were coming up those things weren't always always captured so i can i can out of a moment of guilt think about those things and they're a mental image but kids in in your demographic grant in your generation have physical images that are always out there um there was a little you know a little girl that sent a you know a nude picture to a little boy um in middle school and it got circulated around around the middle school um in to her horror you know that's but that's always out there and that's i wonder how much things like that will shape her identity and how she sees herself it was a moment of indulgence that she did something she knew she shouldn't have done um but if it were in our in our day uh doug whenever we would have you know graduated out of that school or when we would have moved on with our life that would have been left behind does that make sense it's always out there for her does that make sense yeah someone would go get that picture that picture's out there right it was a physical picture yeah. Who, who, which little which little boy has that picture? We can't do that now, right? Because the way things are shared, I mean, that that would be it'd be pointless to get the original. Or well, and even think about those moments that we have where we pop off an angry tweet, or we pop off an angry text, or we pop off you know something stupid on you know any of the social media platforms, and it's screen grabbed and it's circulated, and it's very hard for you to outlive that thing. That then you have this 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 point where your actual self is in conflict of this self that you can't live that you can't live down i'll give it a good example so there was a lady that i had a lot of respect for and um i'll i'll I'll, I'll take even broader stroke in the last election in the last election was so combative between the republicans and the democrats and you had all this vitriol between each on each side you had people i had i had once had a lot of respect for i no longer have a respect for because of things that they were saying on social media about one another um i don't think that those are true reflections of how they like their true values in their core but i can't get past what i saw i can't get past the images of what i heard does that make sense um like people standing in the pulpit and saying you can't possibly be a you know a spirit-filled christian if you're a democrat well i'm a democrat so that you know that's hard for me to get past when i hear those things you know and so i wonder and that's something that you and I didn't really have to deal with that he does is I wonder how much of that will last how much of that will shape his 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 public identity and how much of a struggle he will have with his personal identity based on that does that make sense it makes a lot of sense I mean even to you as an employer I mean you look at you look at social media sites to get a, a glimpse of 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 applicants before you even hire them Absolutely, we do, and that's one thing I always tell young people wherever I go. Like, hey, that's something that's that's an easy fix, right? It's something you 100% control. There's other things about pictures somewhere you don't, or things you've done in the past, but you know, don't leave it up on your website. Don't do something dumb. Don't post it yourself. Yeah, because there's always things that you want to leave in your past. 
um, like I, there was a, there's a, a a young lady that I know that's transgender. Uh, she she um, was once a, a girl. Now she's identifies as a boy. And what's interesting is you watch her parents almost like time stood still. Like her parents don't have any pictures of her now as a boy. They're all of her as a girl. And that's a life that she's very much literally trying to leave behind. But you see this parallel like. It, it, it's just a stark difference in who she is now versus how her parents have memorialized her. And you, they, she can't get away from that. Do you know what I mean? Um, they, we think, well, how can we identify with that? But you, you take a kid that makes a mistake and goes out and drinks with these buddies and some pictures are taken and put up on social media. And maybe that's not who they really are. Maybe that's not who they really want to be, but it's out there. And it's shaped the way that people view them and they can't get away from it. Does that make sense? Um I don't know. It was just a fascinating thing that, that Grant brought up about how, you know, media really does have an active role in the way that we that we that we see ourselves. He even mentioned that, you know, we use our phone as a sense of companion, that it shapes the way that we have relationships with people, um, that instead of having to go to our spouse, you know, for comfort or for affirmation, that we, you know, can pick up the phone and a random, you know, a friend or a random person can tell us how wonderful we are. Or we can look at, you know, images that make us feel good about ourselves, that even that is shaping the importance we put on relationships. Um, or it's just a fascinating thing, Grant, that you brought to my attention that I've really pondered over the last couple of weeks. And I really I appreciate it. My deep thinker. My deep thinker. Anyway, well, thank you, loyal listeners. I appreciate you spending this time with me, and I will see you next week at the table. We hope you are enjoying today's show. We believe that God has given us a voice to impact communities and regions all over the world. If you would like to make sure that voice is heard, please partner with us today by visiting www.expressionradio.org and click donate. You can also text give by texting the dollar amount followed by the word radio to the number 84321. First time text givers, please choose Expression Church of Huntington when prompted. All gifts are tax deductible. Join us as we change the world.